Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your scripture. Thank you for bringing us here to, to open our minds, to, to hear what we need to hear, to be who we need to be, to live as we need to live, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, the movie Scrooge is an adaptation of the novel by Charles Dickens called A Christmas Carol. And I'm sure you know the story, but just a reminder of the story. It's about Ebenezer Scrooge. He's the main character. And in this story, Ebenezer Scrooge is not someone who likes to give. He does not have a giving spirit. He does not enjoy Christmas. He does not enjoy giving to others. In fact, he says he doesn't give to others. He doesn't like to give money to charity because I hate people. Right? So, in the movie, of course, you know that Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by three ghosts. The first is the ghost of Christmas past, who takes him to his past, to his childhood days, to his lonely days. And he sees himself as this lonely child. And then as he grows older, he sees how he chooses money over marriage. And then... The next angel that comes to visit him is the, the ghost of Christmas present. And, and this ghost takes him around to see these families are having these wonderful dinners, a wonderful family time. Even though they don't have much food, even though they don't have much, they still are enjoying one another. They're still enjoying the experience and the gift of love. And the Spirit warns him, that his life is short and to make the most of the rest of his days. And then the third ghost that comes to visit him is the, is the ghost of the Christmas yet to come. And this dark cloaked figure takes him to the future where he sees people rejoicing in his death. And then he's taken to his grave and he sees his, his gravestone. And when he awakens, his spirit is changed to one of joy. And love. He vows to make a change and he goes out and he buys all this food and he buys all these gifts. And he starts to bless people by just giving things away. And he is so thankful for this second opportunity to live life well. Well, this morning, as we get to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, we're continuing to be disciples of Jesus. We're continuing to walk with Jesus and say, Jesus, teach me. What do you have for me to learn? Today. And today, Jesus is teaching us about having a giving spirit and how we can give to people in so many different ways. But we're also going to look at what might keep us from having that giving spirit. Now, you might have heard of something called the, the 10 toddler property laws. And I'm going to read this to you in a second. And the reason why I'm going to read it to you is because even from little, a little age, Parents, you know this, right? Even from very young, we are born with sinfulness in it. And we see this sinfulness come out in various ways. And, and so this 10 um, toddler property laws is kind of indicative of our selfish spirit. So this is how it goes, okay? Number one, if I like it, it's mine. Number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Number three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Number four, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Number five, now if you've ever worked in a preschool, you know this is all true, right? Number five, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. 
Number six, if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. Number seven, if it looks just like mine, it's mine. <laughs> Number eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. Number nine, if you're playing with something and you put it down, what? It automatically becomes mine, right? And number 10, if it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> I don't want it anymore, right? So we see in this list that we are challenged with a selfish spirit, right? Whether it's money, time, our service, our energy, whatever it may be, we struggle with this battle between our selfishness and the call by Jesus to be a giving person. I'll confess to you that sometimes when I come home, you know, I'll work in the day and I come home and sometimes I have meetings to come back to or service to come back to. I'll confess to you, a lot of times I don't feel like coming back. Right? I go home, I sit down, I have dinner with the family and I think, I better not sit in my chair, right? Because I might not get out of that chair. It's hard, right? My selfish spirit says, oh, I just want to stay here and be lazy the rest of the night, right? I battle with that. I don't want to necessarily help Tammy with the dinner or help her with the dishes. But I do because I know that's what I need to do. That's what a good, loving husband does, right? But I battle with that spirit. Do you struggle with this as well? Maybe you're different than me. Maybe your default is to always think about others. Maybe your default is to always help others and, and to not worry about yourself. But I think most people fall into the category that I fall into where we where we struggle with that selfish spirit, that selfish attitude of just wanting to do what we want to do, just wanting what we want for ourselves. To overcome, we have to pray to the Spirit of God to give us this spirit of giving, this desire to give beyond ourselves. Now, I say this because Jesus starts in the passage in Matthew 6 by saying this in verse 2. And just a reminder, whenever you see yellow, please read with me. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Do you notice how Jesus starts out that verse? When you give to the needy. Not if, but when. Why? Because Jesus expects that we will be giving people. As Christ followers, we are called to be transformed into the character of Jesus Christ himself, who gave fully of himself, right? Jesus gave so much of himself, and, and we know this to be true. As Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift, or in some versions says the free gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have been given this great gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself, who gave of himself fully, for you and for me on the cross. Now, you might remember that right before that, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying to the Father, and he was going through this battle, right? His, his humanness was going through this battle. Do I really want to suffer? Do I really want to have this pain? Do I really want to be ridiculed and shamed? Do I really want to do all of that? Do I really want to take all of that on myself? And then his godness takes over, and he realizes there's no other way. And so then he says these words, not my will, but yours be done. See, you and I need to have this mindset that we want to do the will of God over 
our will. That's how we break our selfish spirit, where we say to ourselves, not your will, God, not my will, God, but yours be done. So when I come home and Tammy is there and needing help, it's not my will, but yours be God, done, God. And I know as a, as a husband, I need to be helping her. As I look at my children and I decide whether I'm going to sacrifice for them, you know, and sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I want this, but I can't have this because they need this, right? Not my will, God, but yours be done. This is how we're be able to give of ourselves. And then Jesus continues in verses 3 and 4. He says, but when you give to the needy, again, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you give to the needy. It's the second time you said this. We need to give of ourselves to those who have need. When I came first to my church in Long Beach a number of years ago, we realized that around our community, there's a number of people in our community who didn't have a lot of money and didn't have a lot of food. And so we decided as a church that we were going to start a food pantry. And so to, to fill our food pantry, we put a box in the entryway of the church so that people each Sunday could bring food to donate to our, to our food pantry. And I was surprised one Sunday when one of the ladies in my church said, I don't think we should be giving to a food pantry. I don't think we should have a food pantry. I don't think we should give food to the needy. I was really surprised by this statement. And then she told me why she felt that way. She said, you know, the needy need to do more for themselves. They would just do more for themselves than they would be needy. And I was like, wow. Uh, I disagree. The session disagrees. And this is what we're called to do. We're going to do this. And then I found out there's a number of people that have this attitude. God doesn't tell us to judge one another. If someone's poor, if someone's needy, if someone's in need of something, and we have something and we can give, God says, you need to not judge, but to give. Right? Even Jesus himself said, the Son of Man did not come to receive, but to give his life as a ransom for many. And he called us to give. And you know what's fun is in a couple of weeks, we're going to have this opportunity, right? On November 24th, we're going to have our first fruits where we're going to bring our food here. And that food is going to be collected, and then we're going to take it to the Beacon Light, to the homeless ministry there. We have an opportunity to give to the needy. That needs to be our default, ultimately. If you look at your outline in Roman numeral 2, letter B, you'll see this question right there. And the question simply says, what is prayer? Now, you might look at me like, Pastor, why do you ask that question? That is the most basic of questions. Why would you ask, what is prayer? Isn't prayer just lifting up our request to God? Isn't it just speaking to God? Well, yeah, that's an aspect of prayer. But prayer is very deep. Prayer is multifaceted. And so before we talk about what Jesus says about prayer and our praying, I want to just go over a couple of things that we need to understand about prayer, right? We're going to build a little bit of foundation here, okay? So first, to pray, we must be humble before God. That is the first attitude that we must have. If we're going to pray, we must be humble before God. As we are told in 2 Chronicles 7.14, God says, if my people who are called by my name, what? Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will 
I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. When we are prideful, when we're angry, when we're boastful, when we're full of ourselves, when we are demanding, God will not listen to us. We must humble ourselves for God, before God, and then God will listen to what we have to say. But second, in prayer we must understand who we are talking to. Who are we talking to? We are talking to God, the creator of the universe, the one who is over us and above us. That's why we see in the Lord's Prayer, it starts off, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God is our Father, the one who loves us, the one who is over us, the one who resides in heaven, the one whose name is holy and perfect and magnificent and almighty. This is the God to whom we pray. And so we pray with humbleness and we pray understanding we are talking to the God of all creation. And then third, we see that we need to pray for protection for ourselves and for others, especially those who are in full-time service to the Lord. Scripture talks about those who are in full-time service of the Lord are putting themselves out there on the battle lines, right? But we need to pray for one another. Whenever we go out of these walls, right, we come and we gather together, and then we go out, what should we be doing? We should be praying for each other, right? I want you to look around, and I want you to choose three people today. Look around, choose three people, and I want you to come in, in your mind, three people that you're going to pray for this week. Three people. I hope everyone chooses three people that you're going to pray for this week. And I want you to pray for protection as they go out into the world. Pray for protection for others. 2 Thessalonians 3.2, read with me. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. We go out into a world that is full of wickedness, right? Full of people who are trying to beat us down or or not be supportive of us as Christians. We need to pray for one another. Fourth, we see that we go along. Okay. Fourth, we pray to know God's will. This is significant, okay? We pray to know God's will. If we're called to, to live out God's will, then how can we live out God's will if we don't know God's will, right? And so part of prayer is actually listening. And that's one of the hardest things to do in prayer, right? How do you listen? Like if I'm talking with Tim, he hears my voice. It's easy for him to listen to me because he hears my voice audibly. But how do you hear God when he's not sitting there in front of you? He's not physical. He's not an audible voice. That is part of prayer, learning how to listen to God. Because if we don't know how to listen to God, well, we can get God's will through his scriptures, but also sometimes it comes from God speaking to us, right? Putting on our hearts what he wants us to do. Well, there's so much more about prayer that we talk about, that, but that gives us a good foundation, right? And so as we come then to Matthew 6, 5, and Jesus says, when you pray, again, he uses the word when, right? Prayer is not just for the pastor or the elders or the deacons or the prayer warriors. Prayer is for each and every person. God has designed it so that each one of you can be in communion with him. You can pray, you can speak to him, and you can listen to him. You can be in communion with God. Prayer is for everyone. It is something that we should do regularly and often. When you pray, Jesus says. We pray because we know it is one important way 
for us to connect with Christ and to join with God in his mission and to understand his plan, right? It's the way we stand with one another. Ephesians 6.18 tells us, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, what? Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. See, but, but God, my list would be so long. Well, if you're always praying, then it's not so long because just throughout the day, you're just throwing out names, right? You're asking God to bless people. You're asking God to be with people. You're lifting up people to the Lord. You're taking your eyes off yourself and you're giving of yourself. You're having this giving spirit by praying for others. Jesus then talks about really praying in, in secrets and not babbling on. And the reason why he says this is because the religious leaders, they would go out in public, and they would be all dressed up and fancy, right? So they'd be noticed, first of all, just by the way they were dressed. And they'd have these prayer beads and these special hats, and they'd be all, have all this stuff, right? And then, on top of that, they would pray loud, I mean, really loud. And, you know, if you ever heard someone speak loud out in public, it draws your attention, right? So all the attention would go on the Pharisees, and they'd be speaking out loud, Loudly thinking that the louder they spoke and the fancy words they used, people will look at them and think that they are holy and righteous. Or you had the Gentiles who began to learn how to pray and they would just play on and on and on and on and on, thinking that the more words I use and the longer my prayer is, right? If I pray for 10, 15, 20 minutes, I must be a holy and righteous person, right? The longer I pray, the more holy I am, the more righteous I am, the more God's going to hear me, right? And they would just go on and on and on. And so they're praying in all the wrong ways and for all the wrong reasons. As I said before, prayers to be done with humility to God in the name of Christ. This be done because we are in a spiritual battle against Satan. We pray so that we will be strengthened and protected by the Spirit of God. It is be done so that we can know God's will for our lives and we can walk into that well. It is to be done so that we can give of ourselves to others who need our prayers, who need support, who need protection. And so we are to give to the needy, and we are to give by praying for others. But thirdly, we're going to be talking about the spiritual aspects of who we are to be. This is a treasure map. And a lot of people, I mean, if, you've come, if you came across a treasure map, you would be intrigued, right? You're like, a treasure map? What does a treasure map do? It leads me to treasure, right? Wow, what kind of treasure could I find with this treasure map? Many people have gone on search for treasure using a treasure map. One of my favorite movies is National Treasure. And I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but it is a story of a historian named Benjamin Franklin Gates and he's in search of this lost treasure that has been hidden away by the American Freemasons during the American Revolutionary War. Now, there's one small problem when he finds out that the map is on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Yes, the original Declaration of Independence. So he has to find a way to steal the Declaration of Independence so that he can get a hold of this map and he can go and search for this treasure. Now, if you've never seen the movie, I don't want to give the ending away to you. So you might want to watch the movie if you're intrigued. But the point of it, right, is that you find this treasure map and you're intrigued by finding these treasures. 
jewel, money, whatever it may possess, right? See, Jesus warns us in Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So the reason why Jesus says, do not have treasures on this earth is because the treasures on the earth can be destroyed. They can be stolen. They can break. We can get tired of them, right? The treasures that we have, the possessions we have, the money we have on this earth, at best, gives us temporary fulfillment. But Jesus goes on. He says, Store up for yourselves heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus challenges us to have treasures that are in heaven, that cannot be destroyed, that cannot be stolen, that cannot be broken, that will last for eternity. These are the kinds of treasures we are to have. So the first step is to determine what are my treasures. And that's really easy to determine, right? Where your heart is, Jesus says, is where your treasure is. And so what you do is you look at your, your time. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your energy, your effort? If you lost something, what, what would you lose that would really cause you to be distraught, right? That is where you treasure, right? But that can be taken. That can be destroyed. That can wear out. You'll get tired of it, right? So he says the second step then is to figure out what we should treasure. And the Bible gives us lots of information of these spiritual kinds of treasures we should have. Things like salvation, the kingdom of heaven, the love we receive from God and the, the love we're to give to others. Things like deep communion with God and sharing the gospel. I mean, sharing the gospel, we have received, remember we talked about Romans 6.23, we've received salvation, right? And then Jesus says, now take what you've received and give it away. Give it away. What a great treasure we have, but it's also, what's so amazing about spiritual treasures is they're not just for you and me. Spiritual treasures we receive and then we're able to give it away. Isn't that amazing? That we receive a treasure that we can also give away and share to someone, with someone else. That's what's so amazing about spiritual treasure. It lasts forever. We'll take it with us to heaven, but we also can share it with one another. There's no greater treasure than salvation and to give that salvation to someone who does not know Jesus. Great rewards are waiting for us when we get rid of the fake treasures and grab hold of the real treasures. Have you ever noticed that when you are worrying, it's very difficult to think about anything other than yourself? It's difficult to think about anything other than that which is causing you to worry, right? I mean, almost 100% of your mind and your energy is on that thing which is causing you to worry. When we worry, our thoughts and energy are on that and that alone. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to play a little, I don't know if it's called a game, but a little interaction here, right? I'm going to give you a situation, and I want you to tell me if you think it's something that people worry about, okay? So the way we're going to do this, thumbs up if you think people worry about it, thumbs down if you think people don't worry about it, okay? Pretty simple. So first thing, you find out that you have cancer. Do you worry? Do you not worry? Okay? Okay. 
what you're going to wear to church. How many of you worried before you put on your clothes this morning? Did you worry? Did you not worry? Like, ah, oh, whatever, you know? Some people worry about that, don't they? Number three, you are doing your bills and discover you don't, know how, don't have enough money to pay for all your bills. Do you worry? Do you not worry? Some people worry. Some people say, ah, oh, whatever, God will provide, right? Number four, what you will get people for Christmas. Do you worry? Do you not worry about what gifts you're going to buy for people? Number five, you're planning a big party. Do you worry? Do you not worry? Ah, oh, whatever, it's just going to go as it goes. Or do you worry? Okay. Do you worry about that? You don't worry about that. Number six, paying for your kids' or grandkids' college. Worry? Don't worry. <laughs> you worry. Number seven, sharing your faith with others. Does that cause you worry? Does that cause you stress, anxiety, or do you not worry? Okay. And number eight, you have a deadline at work and you don't have enough time to do it. You worry or you don't worry? Ah, oh, who cares? I don't like this job anyway, right? <laughs> so these are just sampling of things that can and often do cause people to worry, right? There's things in this world all the time that cause us stress and cause us worry. But Jesus tells us in verse 25 of Matthew 6, he says... And again, read the yellow part with me. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. He goes on to talk about how he feeds the birds and how he clothes the flowers. And he says, therefore, do not worry. You say, but, 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 Jesus. And then he goes on to tell what you're to do instead of worrying. And he says this in verses 34 and 35, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Instead of worrying, we're to trust God. We're to trust that God will provide. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not supposed to do anything. We don't just sit in our, in our house and say, okay, rain down money, God, I'm ready. Right? We have to do what we're supposed to do. But we don't worry because we trust that God is with us. We got, trust that God will provide for us. We trust that God will watch over us. We see that time and time again, when we've trusted in God, God has been faithful in providing, and so we continue to trust and not worry. Because you know what? Worry doesn't do anything anyway, right? In fact, more often than not, worry is detrimental to our health. It is not healthful in our situation. It just causes us undue stress and anxiety. We're to believe that God will provide for us and help us as he has always done. And then when we begin to learn how to feel peace in the very presence of God, you know what we can do with that? We can Give that away to someone else. Isn't that amazing? We learn how to not worry, and then we can find someone who is worrying, and we can help them get to that place where they're content, they're at peace, and they're not worrying about life. A number of years ago, when I was at Lakewood Church, um, we were doing what we do now, giving gifts to the orphanage at Christmas time. And the way we used to do it is we would get a list. I'd get a list from Consuelo, the director, 
And each child would have something that they wanted next to it, right? So they would request a gift. And this one particular year, a lot of the girls, they wanted Adidas tennis shoes. Okay? But the problem was is they put the measurements in metric. So we went to the store, and we told them you know, the metric measurement, and we thought that we had the correct um, size, right? Wrapped them all up, took them to the orphanage, and they started opening their gifts, and the girls opened their shoes, and we discovered when they put them on, they were too big. I mean, they were way too big. I mean, like they were like a size 5, and these were size 8 shoes or whatever. And the girls were so gracious about it. They put them on, they were wearing like, oh, thank you for these shoes, and they're like walking around with these huge shoes on, right? I guess that's better than them being too small where they couldn't even put them on at all. But we felt so bad that we didn't get them the right sized shoe. But instead of worrying about it the next year, you know what we did? We did what we now ultimately do now. We just collect the money, we send it to Consuelo, and she buys the right gifts, the right size, what the kids need, right? And then we go and we wrap the gifts and then give it to them. Instead of worrying about it, we said, okay, God, what can we do to solve this problem? How can you help us in the midst of this issue? And that's what we are called to do in all of our lives. We are called to give, to have a giving spirit, to give to the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted and the oppressed. We're called to give by praying for others. We're called to seek out the lost and share salvation, the treasure of salvation with them. We're called to help people all around us. We're called to not worry so that we can be calmly in God's presence doing what God calls us to do as we go out into this world. And so I pray that you would allow God to give you this giving spirit to pour into you the attitude of being a giving person so that others around you can say, wow, you're a Christ follower. You're so generous. Why are you so generous? And you say, because my Lord was so generous to me. Let us pray.